Welcome to Milo Time, where we dive into the list of things that Milo loved and spend some time with my beautiful, amazing, awesome, fantastic boy, Milo. Welcome to another episode of Milo Time. Daryl Kessler, along with Lisa Cohen on the Upper West Side of Manhattan. Hello, Lisa. Yes, indeed. Good to see you. How are you today? I'm good. Good, good, good. You know, um, on my way up here, I was thinking about the recent weather and the threat of snow on the Upper West Side. Yeah. Got me thinking about those years when Max and Isabel were so young living here on the Upper West Side. And we have so many photos of them like in snow gear (laughs) and and on sleds and in Central Park and around the neighborhood. And in your backyard. We came to Brooklyn for a snowstorm once. And in our backyard. I remember sledding in our backyard in the old deck. That's right. And that idea that in the first two, three, four years of our kids' lives, we have like multiple series of pictures of them playing in the snow yeah. and what's what Doesn't how many days now, now? Yeah. how many days snow? something like 700 coming up on 700 i mean i think that you can't judge trends based on sort of personal experience and oh no there's charts that say yeah, it. And, yeah no, and it's always possible <laughs> that, that this is just a sort of a a quirk of statistics and we're out on an asymptote somewhere but what'd you it, say <laughs> excuse me what is that excuse me was my lunch coming up <laughs> um, but the idea that um it just doesn't snow and it doesn't threaten to snow here. I mean, we were up in Boston recently taking Max back to college and we did drive through snow quite a bit on the way home, but it was like so foreign to see snow like coming. Yeah. What is this stuff coming down out of the sky? And it feels like it's just never going to snow in New York again. It's it's so depressing. It actually, there were flakes out the window for 10 minutes <laughs> you know? and it was so exciting and uh, it just didn't. You know, nothing materialized. It's a real, it's it's a bummer. Yeah, it is a serious bummer. Yeah. Um, well, on that note, that bummer <laughs> of a note, we're going to turn to our normal business here at Milo Time, which is the business of scrutinizing the list of things that Milo loved and picking something to talk about. So Lisa, you have the list in front of you, and I'm wondering whether there's anything you want to talk about today. Yes. And I think this is going to be a sports thing. Draw sheets. Yes, it will be sports adjacent, <laughs> oh, all right. but it, I think there's more to it. I have to think about it a little bit. So draw sheets, you certainly know what they are. Um, this is at the start of a basketball tournament or the start of a tennis tournament. There's a draw sheet where the teams are listed, they're seated, and then they gradually filter through as they win and they match up elsewhere in the bracket and they advance further until eventually there's just two teams left in the tournament for a championship game. Um, and what I think about when I think about draw sheets was not only Milo's love for playing tennis, but also just his love for draw sheets, which is just so bizarre. Um, it's not bizarre. It goes exactly with his like puzzle brain and like, and like statistics and, 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 and strategy and right. I mean, because I'm just cutting you off here. I'm sorry. (laughs) I'm getting a vibe on Milo (laughs) here. Um, you know, he it's like somebody has to write the draw sheet and like what are they what kind of probabilities are they basing that on? And anyway, yeah, continue. Yeah, yeah. I think that's right. I think that's right. But when um when Milo started to play tennis tournaments, I was partially convinced that what he liked most about the tennis tournaments was the fact that 
He could look the tournaments up online, like on the USTA, the United States Tennis Association's website, and follow his own progress through the bracket of a tournament and see, like he would play, say, his first match on Thursday. And if he would win, he would like sit by the computer and wait for the tournament to update the bracket so that it showed his name advancing in the bracket. And the idea, I think, of him being in a bracket was like as almost as appealing as the tennis itself, which, of course, he always loved. But I remember thinking it was kind of cool. And I remember he loved it because we spent so much time when the kids were young just making brackets for anything and looking at brackets. For example, um, Max and Milo would play in our basement and whatever game they would make up, they would just make up names and make a bracket and have these random non-existent made up people, quote unquote, advance through a bracket, whether it was like throwing a ball against a wall or taking an old golf putter and putting balls through uh, a little hole in the wall, whatever it was. They managed to turn everything into like a tournament bracket and they love doing it. And I think, I think it started both with tennis, but also because of the NCAA basketball tournament, sure. which they not only loved to watch, but they really loved to fill out a bracket before the NCAA tournament started and then watch as their bracket and the, their picks either proceeded through the bracket or were so disappointing. And they were such big fans of it that when they were very young, like their young adaption, adoption of uh, fantasy football, they took over sort of the neighborhood responsibility of, among their friends, organizing right. the NCAA tournament bracket and did so for many, many years. And I remember as recently as a couple of years ago when Milo was still in high school, they had a few hundred people in the bracket that they were involved in organizing and I think largely ran. And I remember it was always uh, a busy week before the tournament started because they had to collect the money and make sure everybody paid and people paid up and that the winners knew what they were entitled to if, in the event that they won. Um, and they just loved, loved doing, again, a tennis bracket, um, a basketball bracket. But what they also loved to do, not only when they played in their own tennis tournament, so when Milo played in his own tennis tournament, but anytime there was a major tennis tournament, we would sit around and wait for the main draw to be announced. Alana, Max, Milo, and I. And immediately, we would fill out our brackets, and we would compare picks, and we would spend hours just filling out mm-hmm. tennis brackets. Australian Open, about to start, mm-hmm. or maybe mm-hmm. underway by the time this episode airs. And we would that bracket would come out. It was the first one of the year, and we would fill it out. And then, you know, soon after, in June... Uh, the French Open, and then Wimbledon, mm-hmm, and then mm-hmm. finally the U.S. Open, and we would just fill out the brackets. And I remember comparing them year after year. All of us would get together and do that. And in fact, one of Max's friends from Beacon, who's become a great friend of his at Northeastern, Julian Fuchsberg, organized online a pool of just a small group of people who love tennis, mm-hmm. who participate in a major bracket challenge every time there's a major for both the men and the women. And there's a group of like 12 of us and it includes Max, Milo, Alana, me, Julian, um, some of Max's other friends, Jake Singer, um, his friend, um, Tally, Talia Flicks, I think, or 
I think that's her name. Anyway, um, a number of people who participate and fill out brackets also. Mm-hmm. And we're all a bunch of tennis lunatics who do that. <laughs> and I, I'm not sure what it was that appealed. I think you're right what you said at the beginning, that it was a love of sports, but there was a an, an order that was brought to sports by a bracket that sort of tamed the sort of unruly nature of sports, mm-hmm. and it turned it into something that was mathematical and digestible and i do wonder and whether also it, it's an el- another element of fun right where you're like it's not just that you're rooting for a player because you like them it's like you're rooting for them because you want to see your bracket yeah do well for sure and then milo of course i think we've mentioned this on previous episodes he and his great friend james grayson who appeared on milo time would just make brackets out of anything they would they would compare anything at all and make brackets and decide who was what level and who was what seed and this rapper was such and such a seed or this food, this restaurant in the neighborhood was such and such a seed. They were constantly making brackets. And then a couple of years ago, a um, a fellow who called himself John Boy became a very prominent baseball knower on mm-hmm. Twitter and on social media. And in fact, he's now employed, I think, by either Yes Network or by the Yankees. And as he became popular, he was, uh, he kind of teamed up with a couple of his friends and what he was doing online then became not only a podcast, but also with with a video component. Mm -hmm. And they would put their stuff up on YouTube or other social media sources all the time. And one thing that they did all the time was they, that is John Boy and his team, would do drafts. And they would just pick random stuff. They would say, we're going to draft numbers between one in a hundred. And you got to explain why you picked one or picked the others. And it wasn't quite brackets, but it was sort of the same idea. Is, is this sort of like fantasy football adjacent? It is. It is It yeah. is sort of the same concept. It's very much the same concept of, um, I don't know, there's like, it, it, it adds a mathematical component, not math like addition, subtraction, but like a number component an orderliness to disorder, but it 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 makes you the 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 drafter or the person who's you know filling it in. It gives you more skin in the game than you would otherwise. For sure, have. but but it I, makes it more exciting. It makes it more exciting, but it wasn't the betting component, right? They didn't do it for enough money, as far as I know. Yeah. As far as I know, they were ten dollars to enter an NCAA right, tournament right. bracket. Sure, sure. So it wasn't for the money. It was really, I mean, some of it was because it just fun. made it more and more rights. fun, more yeah, fun, yeah, and just. The idea of making brackets, I think, was just, or ranking stuff, was just always so appealing and so right. so very funny to them. Um, and that actually brings me to one other point. Just a few weekends ago, Milo's favorite column of the year, which was written every year, came out in the New York Times. And that was the column right before the last weekend's NFL football games, the last regular season games, the New York Times every year publishes a long article with charts and everything else explaining each team's path to the playoffs. If if this team wins and this team loses and this team ties and that game goes to overtime and every year it was Milo's favorite to get that paper. He could probably write that. He he might, certainly, but he loved to scrutinize Mm -hmm. that issue of the New York Times every year. Was he was he generally um, supportive of their uh, concepts like or did he think they, they yeah he, yeah it, so it wasn't it wasn't 
um, subjective. It was objective. So it was oh, basically um. like, if the following happens, the Jets will make the playoffs. Just suspend your disbelief for a moment. <laughs> or, but or if such and such a happens, such and such happens, right? The Giants won't make the playoffs. Right. Um, and it was just that simple. But the scenarios were often very complicated, and Milo certainly made it a point before those games started to have all the scenarios memorized. So he'd be right. watching the games on the red zone or wherever it was, and he would know exactly if the Pittsburgh Steelers went ahead, right. it meant good news for the Steelers, but bad news for the Titans right. and for the Ravens and for somebody else. And if this game goes to overtime, suddenly the following team that seemed to have no chance right. could win if this game somehow ends in a tie, and he just loved that article. Did uh, This is... Slightly tangential, but was Milo into like the the Moneyball concept in baseball? He was into it, or even the movie. Yeah, uh, he was into the concept. It is a really interesting question. He was not all into. The, I know people who are more into the statistics of baseball than Milo, but he was very into the statistics that he was into. So there are a million new baseball Mm. stats that you can scrutinize. And Milo didn't love digging deep into a million baseball stats, but there were a handful of the newest baseball stats that Milo determined made the most sense to him, Mm -hmm. gave him the most bang for the buck to understand baseball better and really was into those stats. He was really into stats. I'll just mention a couple of them. In particular, the stat called ex-WOBA, we used to talk all the time about, which was expected um, weighted on base average, which was (laughs) a much better way to assess how good a hitter a baseball Mm -hmm. player was. It basically, stop me if this is not interesting, don't say it yet. (laughs) Um, Basically, you would take a player and it would determine how hard the player hit the ball and at what launch angle, and then disregards the defense because the defense can be either good or bad or out of position and would simply figure out what is the likelihood that a ball hit in that manner Mm -hmm. would result in the player getting on base. And it really is a much more accurate way than counting a little blooper in favor of a hitter right. versus a line drive to the fence that someone makes a diving catch on counting it against the hitter. Right. And Milo had a couple of stats like that, and I'd be happy to share more of them, but it's probably enough. <laughs> X-Wolb is a perfect example. He had uh, a handful of them, half a dozen, six or eight of them that he would look at that were dispositive for him. Mm-hmm. It wasn't that he didn't think the other stats were meaningful He just felt that having looked over the horizon and the possible totality of those stats, he didn't need to focus Mm -hmm. on them all. He was just going to focus on a couple of them. Mm -hmm. And I I don't doubt his judgment in that respect because he wasn't making a half-assed determination. No doubt he he had thought it through. Uh, The only other thing I do want to mention, having mentioned that New York Times article, every year, and I miss doing it because Max and I just did this, every year Max Milo and I would sit down when the... NFL playoffs were in place, but before the playoffs started, and we would go through and do our own brackets of how we thought the NFL playoffs were going to unfold, ultimately ending up in who we were picking for the Super Bowl. That was one thing we would do. And then the other thing we would always do is we would do a fantasy draft of players before the NFL playoffs would start. And we would draft players and you had to count for how far you thought their teams were going to go. Because mm-hmm. if you're picking a player who's a great player, but you think his team's going to lose in the first round of the playoffs, you might want to stay away from the guy. And 
The converse would be if a guy is not so great, but you think his team's going to win the Super Bowl, so he's going to play maybe two, three games, you might want to draft that player. Anyway, we would do that fantasy draft before the playoffs every year. And I know Max and I are going to be doing it. And every year that we did it, it was always so much fun to just debate both who was going to advance in the playoffs and then which players you would take as a result of that. Max and I did it last year. And again, it was heartbreaking to do it without Milo. But Max and I are planning to do it again this year as part of a bigger group. And no doubt um, when we um, settle on our players, we'll think a lot about Milo and the players he would have been in favor of drafting. And of course, relying on his wisdom, as we always do in in player selection, mm-hmm. for sure. Yeah, for sure. Yep. So cool. Well, that's it for this episode of Milo Time. Thank you so much for listening. And be sure to join us again next time when we once again look at the list of the things that Milo loved. Thank you very much.